I know you've always been a dreamer. That's you, okay? Because that's not <laughs> happened, okay? NL Zerpa is not uh. making this rotation out of spring training. Welcome back to Royals Weekly. I am your host, Marcus Mead, and joining me as always, a man who once cold-cocked Wilford Brimley for, quote, stealing his brand of sensuality, my brother Mike. Hey, yeah, and you know what? He never forgot it till he died, I believe. Isn't he dead? (laughs) I'm certain he is. I mean, he was like 150 when he entered the popular culture. I, I believe he would have killed me if I ever tried to physically do anything to him. I'm sure he's a real man, like, with a mustache like that. Have you seen... Yeah, with well, a mustache like what's that. What's going on in this? The guy's got to be a real man. And he was in Bull Durham, I believe, right? He was in Bull Durham. No, he wasn't in Bull Durham. He was in The Natural. Yeah, he's in The Natural. So I, I can't hold up. <clears throat> you step to Brimley, you get Brimley'd, okay? And that you don't want to get Brimley'd, all right? Um, anyway, on this week's episode, we're gonna we're getting hyped for the Royals' first spring training games. They're coming up in a few days. It's Sunday, February 19th. So what, five days? Yeah. Until their first spring training game? Yee, yee, yee. We're getting hyped. Uh, we're also going to give you our first lineup and roster projection of the offseason. I'm sure it won't be our last because it will not be correct. Uh, and then we'll be discussing the latest news and notes from Royal Land. But first, we have a reminder. We're doing a drawing for a $100 Q39 gift card, and we want everyone to get involved. So get involved on this. Your odds of winning are much better than you'd think, I promise. Uh, all you got to do is give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcast or Spotify or a review in Apple Podcast. Any one of those things gets you entered one time. If you do all three of those things, you get entered three times. So one five-star rating on Spotify, one five-star rating on Apple Podcast, and one review on Apple Podcast gets you entered three times to win a $100 Q39 gift card. Maximum three entries. All you got to do is send screenshots of your ratings and reviews to royalsweeklypod at gmail.com. That's royalsweeklypod at gmail.com. We're going to do our drawing one week from today on February 26th. We also have a special guest joining us for the episode that night. Make sure you tune in for that. But come get you some free barbecue. Right now, we don't have a ton of entrants. We don't have a ton of people entering this thing. And we're trying to give money away. We're just trying to give it away here. Ratings and reviews get you some free barbecue. All the spring training stories are coming out at this point. Everyone's in the best shape of their lives. Everybody's been working on stuff or they're out there doing all these different things. Got new pitches. It's all hope and smoke fit for to be blown up various crevices. So let's cut through some of that. Okay. And, and get down to what matters. Okay. Uh, we got questions that we want to sort of focus on. And one of the interesting things was sparked by an article that came out today from, I believe it's pronounced Annie Rogers. It's either Ann or Annie Rogers. She's the, uh, she's assigned to the Royals for MLB.com. She's their writer. She published an article today, Sunday, February 19th about Daniel Lynch and what he's been working on in the off season. And I tend to stay away from these types of stories because they're mostly PR spin and things like that. It's all leading up to spring training. It's all hopeful and all that. And that's okay to be hopeful, but it sometimes doesn't lend itself to any sort of critical thinking. But I read this one because I'm curious about what Lynch is up to. And we don't have anybody really doing a lot of Royals writing these days. You know, there's no beat writer for the star. There's no beat writer for the athletic. Andy Rogers is pretty much the only game in town. If you want to hear about what the Royals are up to. And so I gave it a read. I got an impression from the piece that Daniel Lynch is primarily focused on command and feels his stuff is quote good enough. And that's his words. Although he did say that he's also working on pitch shape and things like that. But the impression that I got is that he's primarily focused on command, not focused on changing his fastball too much or anything like that. I want to sort of use that as a jumping off point to talk about the pitching staff in a larger way and about this stuff versus command dichotomy that we might be uh, looking more at as we move through this season. Mike, I was a little thrown by Lynch's assessment that his stuff is good enough because none of his pitches graded above average in movement last year. And the Royal staff as a whole grades very poorly in pitch metrics like stuff plus and things like that. Broadly speaking, do you think the Royals have a stuff issue or a command issue or what? (laughs) What you were about to say, both. (laughs) Yes, they do have a stuff issue. Yes, they do have a command issue. Look at just look at their outcomes last year. It's not hard to see that they had those things. Um, 
that's the thing that gets me. You and I, and I said this actually last year, about midway through the year, or maybe three-fourths of the way through the year, you and I talked on here about do the Royals lack arm talent in their starting rotation? And I've kind of always felt that way. I felt like they kind of got away with some things because, you know, Brad Keller, when his sinker was working earlier, you know, like in, what was that, 2019? I can't remember what year he had a solid year, but um, you kind of got away with that. So he didn't have elite level stuff, but he had a sinker that was good enough to get ground balls. And so that helped him get out of stuff. I mean, look at any one of these guys that are going to be in the starting rotation. Would you say any one of them has elite level stuff or even above average other than maybe Brady Singer? You know, you can point at pitches like Brady Singer's slider is probably probably above average when it comes to stuff and movement, you know, his two seamer maybe. But I'm not thrilled or I'm not like excited about the the stuff from any of those guys in the starting rotation. And, uh, you know, and I'm not we've you and I have harped on like command for so long. You know, when the Royals came out at the beginning of last year and said their focus was going to be on throwing first pitch strikes and not walking guys, and they were last in the league in both, then you're like, okay, well, they have command problems big time. So, yeah, it's it's a problem for both. But I think I do think that we lack, you know, elite level arm talent in the starting rotation as far as guys who can really spin it and guys whose fastballs get elite level of vertical movement. I don't think we got any of that. And we don't have a command guy either. We got guys that have stuff like they should be command guys, but they don't, they aren't command guys. So uh, yeah, I don't know. And I want to draw a distinction a little bit between like arm talent and something like stuff. They're not exactly the same. Having arm talent helps you have good stuff, but stuff is also about like, how well do you spin the ball? And when I think of arm talent, I just think about like, literally, is your arm strong? Does it whip? Does it, does it produce force behind the ball? You know, if that's the case, then it gives you a good platform to have good stuff. I think the Royals have some arm talent. I think Keller has arm talent. I think Lynch has arm talent and so forth. But look at the stuff from Eno Saris. Look at his research. Look at the stuff in their stat cast pages. They do not have above average stuff. That does not exist in their rotation. Even Brady Singer does not grade out very well in stuff plus metrics and movement metrics and things like that. He tunnels well, and that helps him tremendously, you know. But they can do some other things well. It's not all about stuff. Daniel Lynch has elite extension, and that helps him get guys out, you know, and things like that. So it's not all about stuff. But if we're taking an honest look at this rotation, we have to say that stuff is an issue, right? It is an issue. And we can say command is also a really big issue, but they lack elite stuff. They lack above average stuff in a lot of cases. Okay. And maybe, maybe Heasley's curveball is, is somewhat above average. You know, you can point to a couple particular pitches that might be above average, but across the board, this rotation does not have above average stuff. And it's something we should talk about. And the reason, the thing that worried me about the Lynch article is he didn't seem to realize that he doesn't have above average stuff. And that would worry me if I were somebody, right? Like that would be like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know that like your stuff isn't actually that good. You have to have good command. Like you, you have to get it done that way because honestly, you're just not going to get it done with your, your stuff. It's just, it's not that. And, and there are other quotes from that article that I'll bring up later that sort of point to that. The thing that kind of got me from reading the article, cause I went on there and read it, uh, as well. Not once in the article, did they really mention the fastball issue? Like, the whole rotation as a, as a group has a fastball issue. The Royals throw bad fastballs. Yep. Uh, but Lynch didn't really mention his at all in the article. And I'm going like, well, wait, Our, your fastball got hit. They mentioned the curveball that got hit a lot, but his fastball, he had really a really hard time commanding it. And at times it, it got crushed. So like the fact that he's like, well, I'm working on, fixing this curveball and, and the slider shape and all that stuff. That's great. I think that's really good. I want guys to have at least one elite level secondary pitch, but if you can't throw a fastball for a strike, what, what are we talking about here? Like th- that was, or if when you throw it for a strike, it gets, it gets killed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like look, look at the numbers. I mean, he had one of statistically speaking, one of the worst fastballs in the league last year, whether you're measuring it by movement metrics or whether you're measuring it by opponent outcomes, it was bad, very, very bad. And that is a thing that should be a priority of the pitching staff, of the of the pitching coaching, is looking at his fastball and being like, 
what can we do to make this thing serviceable, to make it good enough? Because right now it's not good enough. And it's true up and down their rotation. Brady Singer is the only one you can point to and say, okay, his fastball is is good enough to use. The rest of them, not good enough to use. Not even good enough to use. Like definitely not good enough to be primary pitches for a lot of these guys. And so that's a question. That's a thing that just sort of has to be brought up if we're having the discourse about whether or not this rotation actually has the stuff to be serviceable major league arms and, and things like that. Thinking about sort of what the coaching staff wants to sort of focus on, I want to sort of talk about what you think they should be prioritizing. If if it's going to be stuff, should they be prioritizing like pitch shape? Should they be prioritizing new pitches for some of these guys? Should they be prioritizing command? What do you think they should be focusing on in the 2023 season? I don't, I don't think they're to a place where they can focus on those things yet. I think they have to start with command. Okay, so start with command. See if these guys that are in there are going to be people you can shape, get to a, a point of having good enough command where they're not putting guys on for free. And then you can start working on things like, hey, we need to change the shape of your slider or we need to maximize the movement on your fastball or maybe we need to completely change your fastball, whatever it is. But I think you have to start with command. And I think that's kind of where they want to be at a, a point where it's like, we know no matter what we do, we're not going to walk guys. If you can start there, you can progress from there, but they aren't even there yet. So that's, that's what I would focus on if I was them. I, I think that's right. I think that's what they have to focus on in part because it's such a huge issue for them. We know the walk issues. We know the leaving the ball in the heart of the plate issues. We know that command is a big, big problem for them. And if you fix command and you fix pitch mix, you can sort of paper over the fact that you don't have very good stuff, that you're not above average when it comes to the stuff of your rotation. If you throw it in the right spots and you get a good pitch mix that actually emphasizes your best pitches, even if they're not great, that'll sort of cover up a lot of the issues you have. And like I said, they do have other things going for them. Elite extension from Daniel Lynch is an important factor in whether or not he can be successful. Uh, for, for Singer, it's tunneling. The tunneling that he does makes it very difficult to distinguish between a slider and a two-seamer. These other factors, deception and things like that, can factor into to effective pitching. So it doesn't have to be about just good stuff and command. Sometimes there are other factors. So if you get that command under control, if you start limiting the number of walks, limiting the number of free, play, uh, free bases and things like that, I think that's the quickest route to getting the staff to a place of being successful. At some point, they'll probably have to address the fact that they have a lot of pitchers with meh stuff, maybe they give them some new pitches, maybe they bring in other guys, I don't know. But right now, command seems like the quickest route to getting this rotation to be effective in 2023. Looking at Lynch specifically, I, I, I don't want to like harp on him. It's great that he's working on stuff. That's awesome. I hope he comes out and dominates this year. But Mike, what do you think of his notion that his stuff is good enough? I don't, you know, are we, are we ready to say that that's the case? Well, and I think expectations for himself and goal setting for himself, like, is it good enough to win a spot in the Royals rotation? Probably. Is it good enough to be an all-star? Almost certainly not. Like it, it depends on your expectations. And part of that's on the, the organization to set those expectations for him. You know, Daniel Lynch needs to stop thinking about winning a rotation spot for the Royals and start thinking about what he can do to be the best version of Daniel Lynch. And, and that could, that, that should be high enough to be, like, hey, you should be at the front of the Royals rotation. Um, but yeah, I think I, I think that's kind of some, you never want a guy to not believe in his stuff, obviously. But I think a true and honest assessment from him, if he's looking at numbers and he's looking at outcomes, he would say, okay, at least these certain pitches. And I know he doesn't grade out well sort of for any of his pitches, but he might say, okay, my maybe he's just trying to get his slider to have elite stuff. I don't know. But I, I think that's not a, not a very accurate assessment of his own stuff. And you got to be able to assess yourself accurately, or at least the organization has to be able to do it for you. Right. I know. I know we're all like, Hey, you want a guy to have faith in his stuff. And I, yeah, you do, but they're not China dolls. People, they can, they can handle feedback like adults. And if they can't, they don't belong in this game. And so like Daniel Lynch, your fastball is not good enough. I'm just going to come out and say it. You probably don't listen. Your fastball is not good enough. At least the 2022 version of it, it, it wasn't. Okay? Your fastball wasn't good enough, and that's why it got rocked. Okay? Now, you need to locate it better. That's true. But it also just wasn't very good. And so he can handle that. I'm sure of it. 
And so let's just be honest with ourselves. Let's just be very clear. He has all the data that we have and more, and then plenty more. They should be telling him, no, Daniel, your fastball is not good enough. No, Daniel, your other pitches really aren't good enough either. But could they get there? Sure they could, right? Like he is a professional athlete. He has talent in his arm. He could develop a good enough slider. He could get better with his curveball. He could maybe develop a cutter, and that might be much more effective than his current forcing fastball. All of these are things that could happen. Stuff is not a static thing. You're not stuck with whatever stuff you're born with or whatever. You know, he could make his stuff better. And I, I'm sure he's working on making his stuff better. And this was just like a, a particular quote in a particular context about why he's working on command so much or the way he's thinking about approaching command. But I hope he understands that like in order for him to reach his potential, at the very least, his fastball has to get a lot better. We'll see if that ends up happening. I'm hoping for it. I want nothing but success for for Daniel Lynch because I think he's a key part of the rotation moving forward if he can find a way to uh, to take the next step. I'm thinking broadly about this sort of this notion of stuff versus command because one of the interesting things about it is if you look at pitching development programs, some of them seem to emphasize one of those things a little more than other the, the other aspect of those things. Mike, what do you think the Royals are going to try and do in moving forward with their pitching development in terms of emphasizing stuff versus emphasizing command in the development of their pitchers. I I hope anyway, I, I really don't have an idea. I know we can think like about the, the Cleveland model or the Tampa model uh, probably, you know, and, and see if they have success with that. But my hope is that they focus on acquiring command, which is a cheaper trait to acquire. Uh, you can get command in the back of the draft. You can get command pretty cheap in free agency. And then seeing if they can develop an elite secondary pitch for those for those guys but start from a place of good command you know from your for your current staff that they have you know they have to work on some sort of achievable goal and i think that has to be command related you know we talked about that just a second ago but i think that's going to be probably the biggest thing coming out of spring training and one of the things you and i are going to be looking for in spring training is how is that command can we see definite development in the way that they're coaching these guys to throw strikes if you can go out and focus, say, hey, we're going to acquire command, right? And then we're going to work on developing elite, at least one elite level secondary pitch. I think that's a great way to approach it. Keep it simple like that and, and go that way. Yeah. And that gets a lot easier when you're talking about like drafting guys and developing them. Then you're talking about like what the major league uh, coaching staff has to do with guys like Lynch and Heasley and all those guys. They've already been in, in professional baseball for a while. They've been doing this a long time. And so it gets a little different when you're talking about drafting guys who might be 18, 19, 20, 21 versus guys who are already 26 years old. And you're trying to work on just whatever you're trying to give them little finishes and things like that. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that's an interesting, that's really the Cleveland style system. The look for command and then help wait for them to develop physically and help them get better stuff. Um, there was an interesting quote in that uh, Annie Rogers piece that I want to that I want to bring up that I think speaks to the fact that they might be trying to go towards a Cleveland style model. And this is a quote from Brian Sweeney, their new, new pitching coach. He said, "No matter if it's a little shorter or a little bit bigger, if he gets it to the target zone, as he's talking about Daniel Lynch here, it's a good pitch, reinforcing that you don't have to have this big movement. Your movement." What you produce from your body is good enough when you hit it right here. That's a focus on his slider. What he really means by that is you don't have to have great stuff if you locate really well. That's the gist of that of that quote right there. And so I think that's what he's emphasizing with Lynch. It wouldn't surprise me if that becomes an emphasis up and down the organization. And then they try and help guys like Mazzucano, Conderna, guys like that develop good stuff and wait for them to develop physically. It's really, really, really important to us that you subscribe, rate, review, like, comment, all the things that you can do on the various platforms about this podcast because it really helps us out a bunch. If you watch on YouTube, throw us a like and a comment. If you're on Spotify, give us a five-star rating, Apple Podcasts, all these different things. Go out and do that. It, it helps us a bunch. It helps more people find the show. It lets us know that we're doing something right and you want us to keep doing it and create more content. Plus, you give us a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or leave us a review, you can get in, into our gift card drawing and win some free barbecue. All you got to do is send those screenshots of those ratings and reviews to royalsweeklypod at gmail.com and you get free barbecue. I love free barbecue. I love that pitmaster sandwich. I'm going to go get one, one of these here in a couple of weeks because I just love it so much. My heart can't take that many of them, but my stomach loves them. <laughs> 
You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We post a ton of additional stuff on there. Normally, we might wait until just before the start of the season to do a roster and lineup projection. That way, we have a greater chance of being right, and that's something we're very into. Love being right. (laughs) But what's the fun in being right, really? There's no risk in it. We like the risk. So it's much more fun being wildly wrong, which we are very frequently. Uh, That's our motto. It's much more fun being wildly wrong. (laughs) Royals Weekly. Royals Weekly. Uh, So we'll focus this week's Spotlight segment on the Royals roster and lineup projection for opening day. Uh, All the usual disclaimers for this apply. It's a long way to opening day. So much can happen with injuries and effectiveness and stuff like that. Uh, Options matter a lot in this. So whether or not they can be optioned up and down. Also, please note that we this is what we think the Royals will do. This is not necessarily what we would do. Uh, those two things tend to wildly diverge at times. So if you think we're wrong, let us know in comments or review. You're like, this is a stupid lineup projection. Just let us know. We, we can take the criticism, I promise. Mike, get us kicked off with our 2023 lineup projection. This is not in the order of a lineup. We're just going around the horn here. So let us know the position players for this 2023 team. All right, starting off, uh, a stalwart. We've got at catcher Salvador Perez, face of the Royals. At first base, we have probably the up-and-coming face of the Royals, Vinny Pasquantino playing first base. Second base, Michael Massey. We think he wins out against Nicky Lopez, probably. Uh, Third base, Hunter Dozier, which is what the Royals have stated they want. So... You know, you're going to make your bed. You're going to lie in it. Right. <laughs> uh, I just want to look at the camera like this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hunter Dozier. Is this the same Hunter Dozier? Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, Hunter Dozier at third base. We think they're going to go with him. Shortstops, Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, left field, we think MJ Melendez will kick it off in left field. Hopefully see some good work, uh, outfield work from him this spring. Uh, in center field, we think it'll, it'll kick off with Kyle Isbell. Right field, Drew Waters, and then at DH, Edward Olivares. That leaves the bench, the four bench spots as Nicky Lopez, versatile. We like the versatility defensively. Uh, Johan Camargo, some versatility for him as well, uh, also in a bench role. Uh, the backup catcher, Freddie Fermin. Of course, Melendez gives you some flexibility there as well, but we think Freddie Fermin, they'll, they'll bring an actual backup catcher in. And then the last bench spot goes to Nate Eaton another versatile player. Uh, I'm happy to see that because I'm, I'm a big Nate Eaton guy. Uh, guys that we thought just probably missed, uh, Nick Prado, somebody I think we'll probably see at some point during the year. Uh, Matt Duffy, the minor league deal that they, free agent that they signed. I um, think he probably misses, but again, as somebody who could get at bats, especially with trades and stuff. Matt Beatty, who we haven't talked about much. Uh, and then Samad Taylor just missed as well. So another versatile guy. The reason I chose to put Fermin on this, uh, in this roster in part is because I was just like, who else do they want to put on this bench? I couldn't find anybody who I was like, oh, they'd much rather have Samad Taylor or they'd much rather have Nick Prado or they'd much rather, Nick Prado's not a bench player. Like he's, they don't want him just sitting there. Uh, Freddie Fermin, I feel like is a guy they're like, you're a backup catcher, Freddie Fermin, come be a backup catcher. And I think like there are four bench spots they got to fill. I think they're more likely to put in Fermin, especially because I think they're more likely to rotate Salvador Perez this year than they have in the past. And so rather than doing this, hey, Fermin, go down I-29 a bunch of times to AAA and back as we try and get you in here at at catcher, I think they're going to actually just say, we're going to kind of keep three catchers. Um, But we'll see. Mike, what do you think about this lineup as it currently exists? I, I think if a few things break our way, we could end up with a lineup that is top in the top half of the league and run production. And that's, that's not bad. You know, that's pretty good. We're still pretty young offensively. Uh, but what I don't want Royals fans to do, it's exactly what we did last year. Cause we looked at this lineup last year and said, man, Nicky Lopez is a 300 hitter. If Adalberto Mondesi stays healthy, he's really good. Bobby Witt Jr. is going to be an all-star his first year. Salvador Perez hit 48 home runs last year. And we were like, we were looking at the best outcomes from every guy. That's not going to happen. And we saw that last year. That's not going to happen. So keep a realistic outlook. You hope to see some of these young guys take steps forward. For me, the big thing that I really want to see is Vinny Pasquantino stay at the level that he was last year for an entire year. You know, and, and I think if you can do that, boom, you've got an anchor in your lineup for a long time. And, and that's what I really want to see 
somebody to build that lineup around. So I, I am excited about the lineup. I think they can be a top 15 team in uh, Major League Baseball. Yeah, I think this is a very interesting lineup. Of course, they they all need to progress. So many of them are very young. They're sort of new to this. Drew Waters, Kyle Isbell, will they sort of take the next step and that sort of thing? Um, I'm actually thinking about this lineup defensively. I think it has tremendous potential defensively because at any given time, you can roll out an Isbell, Waters, Melendez outfield. That's pretty good. Bobby Wood Jr. clearly had some issues at short last year, but there's a lot of talk of him working on on his defense, and he has the athleticism, certainly, to get to any ball he needs to. So the athleticism is there. Nicky Lopez is a great defender. Michael Massey has the potential to be a very good defender. I think this lineup has some potential defensively to really help in run prevention, be a positive, a net positive in run prevention for the Royals. I'm not stoked about what they got defensively at third base. I don't think Hunter Dozier is very good defensively, and I don't think that will ever change. But who knows if he's going to stay the third baseman all year. Maybe Mikel Garcia comes up at some point. Bobby shifts to third. We have a much more solid infield defense. That That's the guy that's kind of the wild card for me is Michael Garcia. And it changes the whole landscape of what the lineup could be defensively. It really like, does. If he comes in at third or it's at even third or short, either one they want him playing, then your infield defense is way different. And even if it's, especially if it's a day when Pasquantino's DHing and you have somebody else playing first, that's maybe a, a step above him defensively. You're talking about a really, really, really good defensive uh, group there. So he's the wild card for me. And he's a guy I'd like to see make the team coming out, but certainly not if he's going to be on the bench all the time. Yeah. If, if he, if he comes out and I'm interested to know, like they've kind of really downplayed the notion that Mikel Garcia could start, uh, could make the opening day roster. If he comes out in spring training and just destroys, and, and remember, Bobby Witt Jr. is playing with the American WBC team, the World Baseball Classic team. So Mikel Garcia is going to get a lot of time at short with the Royals in front of the Royals coaching staff this spring. If he comes out and just hits really well, plays great defense, does he even have a chance to make the opening day roster? I really hope he does. I I might be daydreaming there, but he is the wild card. You're right. He could change the whole complexion of this infield in a very interesting way. We got to move on to the most important part. We're talking about the lineup. Like it's going to really matter that much. Uh, it's the pitching that matters. <laughs> right? Like, let's talk about the pitching because last year it was the thing that really sank the Royals. They've done a lot to sort of change what the rotation might look like, or well, they've done a little to change what the rotation might look like. Here's who we're going to roll out with the starting rotation. Uh, Brady Singer. I think he gets the opening day start. I know Zach Granke's the veteran. Everybody loves him and everything, but I think Brady Singer earned it last year. Uh, Zach Greinke will be our two, Jordan Lyles, then Daniel Lynch, then Chris Bubich. That means John Heasley, Jackson Kowar, Ryan Yarbrough, Brad Keller, and Max Castillo just missed our starting rotation. Mike, how do you feel about that rotation as opposed to like what went on last year? Two words, poop emoji. <laughs> that's how that, uh, that's how I feel about it. It's not good. You can't look at this rotation and think that it's good. It's not. Okay. The only difference is Jordan, Jordan Lyles. Does he move the needle? Anybody? <laughs> no. Like, no. Uh, probably not. But you can only think it's only if you're interested in telling the truth can you say that it's that's not right. good. Okay. If you're interested in blowing smoke, let's pretend that these guys are all aces. <laughs> uh, it, it's not a good rotation. They ha and here's, here's my sunshine and rainbows right here. Uh, if many, if, if a lot of things break our way, then it can be an average rotation. That's that's what you can say. Like, if Singer is what he was the second half last year, if Zach Greinke can pitch at a four ERA for the whole year and they get him out early and maximize the things that he can do well, he, you know, that's going to be great. If Jordan Lyles bounces back to closer to some of his better years, okay. If Daniel Lynch and Chris Bubich take a step forward, then you have an average rotation. That's not something you want to be saying. And let me explain why I gave it to Chris Bubich for that last spot. But man, I I have so much uncertainty about who's going to fill the four and five rotation spots in this rotation. I know some people are like already giving the four spot to Lynch. I'm not giving it to him. Like he's in there right now because I think he's the most likely, but I don't think that he's a lock to make this rotation. Certainly Bubich isn't a lock to make this rotation. I think a lot of this will come down to how they perform in spring training, but 
we'll see on that. Sorry, one thing that I wanted to throw in, well, two things I wanted to throw in there. A lot of people might be thinking, well, why isn't Brad Keller in the rotation? He's been in the rotation. Like, why not? I think the new coaching staff is going to work against Brad Keller because Keller is a guy that has had trouble in the first, second, and third inning. And these are guys who really want effective pitchers for four or five innings. If that's something you haven't shown that you're going to be able to do, that you're going to put your team out of contention in the first three innings sometimes, I don't think they're going to go. I think they're going to say, we'd rather go with a guy who gives us a better shot at, you know, getting to inning four and five and might blow up in inning five, like a John Heasley, honestly, um, than go with a guy who might blow up in inning one. You know, you know what I'm saying? So I, I kind of see why Brad Keller would go out there. I'd say the wild card here, and this is my second thing, is Angel Zerpa. I think he, he I think he throws strikes well enough. I do. I think they may fall in love with him. Now, I know when he was in Major League Baseball, he struggled to throw strikes a little bit. But in the minors, he has shown that he can command the ball. And so he's my guy that I think is kind of a I'm – still a, I'm still an Angel Zerpa believer. I am. I know you've always been a dreamer. That's you. Yeah, that's okay? right. Because that's not happened. <laughs> okay. And El Zerpa is not uh, making this rotation out of spring training. Why? Hits me with, a, hits me with not, an Eagles lyric. He has not even been successful in the minor leagues. <laughs> like I, he's, he's not been successful in double A or high or, or triple A. He's not making the rotation out of spring training. Just get that. No, not, I don't think he is. Right no, now. I don't think he is out of spring training. I think um, at some point this year, you could see Zerpa come up and try and throw strikes. I, I have put Chris Bubich at the fifth spot because, one, we've seen stretches of him being successful in years past. Two, I think the new pitching uh, coaching actually plays into his favor. And three, I'm hoping for the development of another pitch. I'm hoping he comes in with a slider, and I think that would greatly impact his ability to be effective. I think he'll pitch well in spring training. I think he wins that fifth job. But honestly, I don't have a ton of certainty about any of that. Um, I am particularly interested in Jackson Kowar a little bit. There's been some reports about him looking particularly good uh, with this new coaching staff that a lot of people think that this coaching staff will do a lot for him. Uh, I hope that's the case. Uh, that was stuff put out by David Lesky and uh, some others. I can't remember a couple other people had mentioned it as well. Um, so I'm interested to see what Jackson Kowar looks like. Mike, what do you think Heasley or Keller or Kowar, any of these guys needs to do to earn that last spot in the rotation? I think the last spot in the rotation and perhaps the last two spots are going to go to the guys that throw strikes. I think, or at least I hope that's their approach. The Royals walk way too many guys. And so you got to start from a place of we're going to throw strikes. We have a big ballpark. We have a solid defense. We're going to let them work. And if you're a guy that can't do that and puts us in trouble by walking guys in the first, second or third inning, it's going to be hard for you to earn a rotation spot or it should be anyway. Like that, yeah. that's what I, that's my personal belief there. Uh, so I think the guy that shows that he can throw strikes is going to be the guy that, uh, that gets the nod for that last spot. And I think that idea is really in keeping with what they've been trying to do to reshape this pitching staff all offseason. So you bring in a guy like Jordan Lyles and Ryan Yarbrough and whatever their you know deficiencies might be, they don't walk a ton of guys. Like that was the thread that ran through all their offseason pitching acquisitions was we want guys, well, some of the bullpen guys are a little volatile in terms of walks, but the rotation guys, Granke doesn't walk people, Yarbrough doesn't walk people, and uh, Lyles doesn't walk people. Lyles. That seems to be what they want in their rotation. I think you're so. I think you're right, and I think some of that might also be about getting each pitcher the right pitch mix. Like whatever pitch mix, Kowar needs the right pitch mix. Keller needs the right pitch mix. These sorts of things will have an impact on whether or not these guys are walking people and how effective they are pitching in the spring. Time to talk about the bullpen, Mike. Nobody ever wants to talk about the bullpen. We're we're going into the bullpen here. Tell the weirdos who you think ends up in this bullpen on opening day. Well, I think some of them are quite obvious. It's going to be uh, Scott Barlow, stalwart, Dylan Coleman, Araldus Chapman, uh, our, our big offseason acquisition, <laughs> uh, Josh Stalmott, hopefully a healthy Josh Stalmott, Taylor Clark, who at times last year showed some just fantastic stretches, uh, Ryan Yarbrough, who we uh, acquired, and then Brad Keller, not making the rotation, going into the bullpen. And then Amir Garrett as well. Just missed. We had Josh Taylor also acquired in the uh, 
Alberto Mondesi trade, if I'm not mistaken, correct? It has options. It has options, so that's one reason he's down there. Richard Lovelady just missed. Coming off injury. Does not have options, but I think they can get him through waivers. Okay. Carlos Hernandez, uh, the oft back and forth Carlos Hernandez. Also does not have options. Also think they can get him through waivers. <laughs> and then your boy, the delivery man, Jose Quas. He'll deliver for him, too, if they just give so. him a chance. And they will give him a chance, but he has options, so I'm guessing he goes down to AAA. So how, you, how are you feeling about the bullpen? Let's start there. You know, it's... It's one of those things that's like, I'm encouraged because, not just because of the guys listed here, but because of the guys who are going to be down in AAA. Like, I'm encouraged because of the guys who missed the list. Josh Taylor, Richard Lovelady, Jose Quas. I'm encouraged by those guys. Uh, I'm encouraged that it looks like the pitching staff is going to be utilizing them in a much more specialized way. I think that's going to actually be what leads to more effective pitching. All these guys have the ability. I mean, I, I don't question Barlow or Coleman. Certainly, Aroldis Chapman has pitching ability for as uh, checkered as his past has been um, as a person. Um, but, you know, Taylor Clark, plenty of ability. Ryan Yarbrough will be function like a swing man for them. Uh, Keller is the big question mark for me. I don't know what he's going to be like in a bullpen. He wasn't necessarily good out of the bullpen last year. So we'll see if he ends up, they change his pitch profile or something to be a bullpen guy. I'm not sure. Amir Garrett was not good last year. I think he's just going to stick around because they're hoping they can. It would would it surprise me if they cut him during spring training? It would not, right? But I think they're going to keep him around to see if they can regain some of his value and trade him. Honestly, uh, I don't. I don't think they have plans for him in the future. But at the same time, if they just DFA him, he's out of options too. And so, you know, he's going to get picked up or he's going to be down in AAA, which I don't think he'll take an assignment. So. You know, we'll see, but he's on the, he's on the projection roster for now. I think, uh, I, I think the thing you bring up about Keller is extremely interesting because a lot of times you move starters to the bullpen so they can get that bump in velocity, but Brad Keller's four seam fastball is bad. It's not a good pitch. And so I, I don't know that that helps him all that much. Um, so, and, and I don't know that he's the kind of guy that profiles well in a bullpen unless it's. It, well, even in a swingman role, you can't have a guy that's going to implode in a swingman role. You need a lot of reliability, like a Chris Young was for the teams when you know when when the Royals in fourteen and fifteen. Well, I don't remember if he's on the fifteen team, but you need a guy that you know is going to throw strikes. You need a guy that you know is going to get outs, and even if he allows a run or two, it's not going to be eight. And that's not Brad Keller. What if Brad Keller becomes like a Scott Barlow slider first kind of bullpen pitcher? Wouldn't that be that would be that would be interesting. Yeah, that would be interesting. I, that it? I could right. definitely see. And then you, what I'd like to see is that if he becomes a slider first kind of guy up the if you can up the velocity a tick or two on the two seamer slider first two seamer as his mix up pitch. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see um, him out there throwing 50 percent sliders and then like, you know, 35 percent two seam fastballs and 10% change ups, yeah. you know, that'd be interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, anyway, just, just a thought exercise. How are you feeling about the roster as a whole? Looking at this whole thing, 26 guys. What do you think about the team? Obviously the rotation is holding us back here. Um, it's, it was bad last year. It'll probably be bad again this year. Uh, but I'm really, I am still really curious to see how these young starters progress. If a couple of these young starters, and it could be, Anybody, you know, Singer stepped out last year, looked like garbage going out of spring training, pitched like garbage coming out of spring training, and then went down to AAA, came back and was an all-star level pitcher. If one or two of those guys can do that, can can take a big step forward, then you're talking about something interesting. You're talking about really either an interesting second half or something to at least hold on to in that starting rotation. Um, yes, I want to see Bobby Witt Jr. take a step forward. Yes, I want to see Melendez uh, do a little bit more and Pasquantino kind of stay at that offensive level he was at last year. Really curious to see how Michael Massey hits as well. But it, for me, it's all about that starting rotation and do we get do we get a bump from some of those guys with the new pitching development? Yeah, to me, it's a, it's an okay roster. It's not great. I'd give it maybe like a B minus with the potential to be a B plus if if everything breaks our way, if if uh, all the players progress who need to. Um, would it's like to me this is a 70 to 75 win roster probably uh now if the bad outcomes all hit at the same time maybe it wins maybe it's a 65 win roster if the good outcomes all hit at the same time maybe it's a 78 win roster or something like that um that's roughly where i think this team is right now 
they need more in the rotation moving forward. They need those guys to take a step forward. But again, that's what this season is for. So we'll see if that ends up happening. Spring training games are about to begin and we are pumped, or at least I'm pumped. I don't want to speak for you, Mike, but I am pumped to watch some spring does training baseball. Does this speak for me? Yeah, that, that does something. I don't know exactly. It's not looking uh, I forget. good. It looks very Most of our bad. listeners listen to this as a podcast, yeah, not on YouTube. They can't see it. They I'm, can't see it. But uh, yeah. I'm dancing. He's sort of <laughs> dancing. Uh, <laughs> the Royals will kick off their Cactus League schedule on Thursday, the 24th, with the first two games against the Texas Rangers. That's the, They share the complex, the Surprise Stadium complex, with the Royals. So they do two games against them before they face off against the Milwaukee Brewers on Sunday. We're not going to fully preview this series like we do uh, during the regular season because nobody knows who's pitching, nobody's who's playing. There's really nothing to preview. Um, but Mike, just let's just talk a little bit about what you're looking for in these spring training games. What are you excited to see from the Royals in these first few games that they're going to have in down in Surprise? First thing, are they actually going to play Hunter Dozier at third base consistently? That's interesting <laughs> to me. Melendez, is he going to be playing exclusively left field? And then how does that look as well? Uh, Drew Waters, is he going to be playing a lot of center or a lot of right or both? And then Olivares, where does he fit in defensively? Or are they giving up on him defensively and saying, when you play, it'll be at a DH and we'll figure out what to do in the outfield when you're DHing? So that's kind of what I'm looking for in these spring training games. Um, but yeah, it's I just I just want to see some green grass and I want to see, see him out there running. You know, obviously I'm going to be looking at the pitching because that's the big thing, but you know, I just want to see him out there running and playing. Yeah. The the sounds of baseball make me feel warmer. Like when I hear happier. Yeah. yeah. When I listen to like, uh, I love it when they do, when Steve Stewart does those, um, those like broadcasts just for MLB radio, you know, and it's like, they don't have any advertising. So they just like, let it run the sounds of baseball during the breaks. I love that. I love just hearing the crowd <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. I wish more broadcasts just to say like, we're just not going to do like, we're just, there's no commentary. There's no play by play. Just listen to the sound of the game. Like I would love that once a week or so. Anyway, that's, that's neither here nor there. I'm looking to see who's got new pitches. That's what's interesting to me. Like Bubich, you got your slider coming. I want to see it. You know, Kowar, you got a different fastball. I want to see it. Lynch, you got a different fastball. I want to see it. You know, uh, Keller and somebody talked about him working on a curveball. I want to see it. Right. Like, let me see all these new pitches. I'm very interested and excited for new pitches. And so I want to see that change up from Singer, too, if he's out there, if he gets to pitch in these first three games. Um, yeah. So mostly I'm just hunting new pitches and taking a look at that and then just having fun watching the games. We know that spring training means a little, very little overall in terms of stats and performance and that sort of thing. But I do want to talk a little bit about what the fans might be able to look for in terms of forecasting good or bad tidings for the Royals this season, Mike, tell the weirdos what they should be looking for as they watch spring training games. So this is by far the hardest thing for me to pick out because you'd already taken the, the thing that I wanted really bad. Aww. So the big question that I'm going to have is are young guys, are some of the young guys, whether that's rotation guys or lineup guys, are they doing things differently? Can we say, oh man, I can certainly tell that this person's doing this thing differently which means the coaching staff is trying to get them to do something different. That's my thing. If I can see that with my eye, then then I'm going to be happy. If, if you, I can't, if, if you if, want an example of that, Bobby Witt Jr. swinging at sliders out of the zone early and counts. That is exactly the example I was about to give. I was like, oh my gosh. Oh, and I stole that from you too. If we see Bobby Witt Jr. do that, I know. Damn, man, come on. All right. Uh, He's been copying me my our whole lives, by the way. Uh, So, no, but that's what I really want to see. I want to see is Bobby Witt Jr. Is his approach better? You know, for Melendez, is his footwork a little bit better or not footwork? Uh, I'm going to take it. Uh, his route a little bit better to balls in the outfield. You know, all of that sort of stuff. Can I can I notice those differences? That's what I'm really going to be looking for. And then one thing, just a, if you're looking for like a stat here, I wasn't sure if you were looking for a stat. So one of the things I want to see is because I think it'll be a great indicator on if they're changing up their pitch mix. How often are they throwing fastballs? What's their fastball percentage that they're working on here in spring training? Because a lot of guys early on, you know, the old school way of doing it is, well, today it's my first spring training start. So I just threw fastballs the whole time. I want to see like, is this, is this pitching staff going, Hey, we're going to be intentional and we want you working on that new slider boobich. We want you throwing that change up singer. And so I want to see how much fastball percentage 
is there in their pitches so that we can tell, okay, maybe they're trying to work on some of these secondary pitches that the coaching staff has been working with them on. I'm paying attention to two key indicators. One, pitcher walk rate. Sounds simple, but it's very, very important. (laughs) Are they walking guys down in Arizona? I don't know that it's predictive. I don't know that that walk rate would then transition to the major league, major leagues or into the regular season, but I'm paying attention to it anyway. It also might signal something about like strategically how they're asking guys to go about pitching against hitters. And so, you know, are they emphasizing strike throwing? Are they helping them mechanically with command and that sort of thing? The other thing I'm looking for on the hitter side is what kind of counts are hitters getting into? Do I see a lot of guys in two strike counts? Do I see a lot of guys getting behind in counts? Do I see a lot of guys with full counts or get it being ahead in counts? Those are sort of the things, especially for guys like Drew Waters, I'm paying a lot of attention to. The high strikeout guys, Nick Prado, and that sort of thing. How are they working counts down in spring training will sort of tell me, have they taken a step forward or have they not? That sort of thing. I tell you one thing that does interest me a little bit is there's been times, especially for Lynch and Bubich, but at times you'll see one for a couple from Heasley or Singer as well. Some of those young guys, how many non-competitive pitches are being thrown? That's big, right? How many, how many curve balls are coming out of the top of their hand? How many fastballs are they not staying on top of? And they're just flying way high out of the zone. Uh, like that's what I really want to, that's one thing I'm a little bit curious about as well. Cause Bubich has a real problem with it at times. Uh, he'll throw two or two pitches in an at bat that are just non-competitive. Yeah, and it kills him sometimes. That's a so big one. I, that'll be just a something something little for me to look for. That's a big one. Non-competitive pitches, letting guys back into counts, is one of their big issues. It's one of the things contributing to their walk problem. And I, I think I went over it. I did a video on Daniel Lynch on our check it out on our YouTube page. But I talk about he has this at bat against Mookie Betts where he gets up 0-2 last year against the Dodgers. He's 0-2 on Mookie Betts, and he throws three non-competitive pitches or three pitches way far away from where, where his target is. A couple of them at least are non-competitive. And Mookie Betts gets right back into the count, puts the ball in play hard. It stays in the yard, but you know, it's one of those things where it's like non-competitive pitches have a big impact on whether or not the Royals end up walking a lot of people. We'll end this week's episode like we end every episode with our Just A Bit Outside segment. For those new to the show, this is where we talk about something that's interesting to us outside the world of baseball. A lot of people tune out for this, I'm guessing, because who gives a shit what we (laughs) care about? But Mike, (laughs) let us know what's happening in your life. People care about you. What have you been thinking about outside the world of baseball this week? I saw an interesting news story where this like rich guy, I can't even remember his name, but he was basically funding this new restaurant idea. And it got me thinking about like and, and disrupting dinner, fast food, eating out, delivery services. We have moved away from cooking at home, and I'm not demonizing that or, or whatever. I, that's fine. We're we're there's more to do. Convenience is important to people. I completely understand. I hate cooking. My wife can't cook a lick. We would, but what I'm thinking of, somebody's going to make a whole lot of money someday by creating a service or a subscription or an app where they can guarantee you hot, delicious meals that are brought to you or that you can easily get for like some sort of subscription fee. And you know what, weirdos, you can take that. You can use that idea. Just develop it, make it awesome. And I I think of them like dinner clubs, like way back in the day, they used to do like dinner clubs, you know, uh, for, for wealthy people, not for people like you or me. Um, But think about like that. Like if you could just subscribe to something, and know that you had dinner every night, you know, just know, I know I have dinner every night done with that. You know, I think that could be something that could be really big. So whichever weekly weirdo takes that runs with it and becomes a billionaire. I don't want any of the money. Okay. I just want a free subscription for life. Okay. So let me know. Here's my thing. Like you could actually do this fairly easily. Like collect people in like groups of 20 or 10 or something like that. And then somebody cooks one meal large enough for all of them and just takes it to them right now. This is like, basically we're talking about meals on wheels right now. Um, but <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things like find an efficient way to do it in a way that people don't actually have to cook. Cause there are those services like hello fresh and stuff like that. Problem is people got to cook those yeah. meals and nobody wants to do that. And, so <laughs> and you can, th- there's other ones where you can buy them and they send them to you like frozen kind of, yeah. Or like cold, mm-hmm. and then you just heat them in the microwave. But those always taste like garbage. I'm talking like, you know, real food. 
I can drive up and just pick it up or my, maybe my family can go there and sit down and eat, you know, whatever it is, but it wouldn't be a restaurant. You wouldn't have servers. Say, that is called a restaurant. You wouldn't have any, no, no, it wouldn't, you wouldn't have servers. You wouldn't, you'd, you'd order on an app before so that they know when you're coming, like what nights you're coming, all that sort of stuff. It, it would not be like, Oh, I sit down and somebody serves me. No, you serve yourself. You get your own food or whatever, you know, real simple stuff. All right. We'll see. I'm pretty sure that's already exists. But anyway, I'm telling you, somebody is going to make a billion dollars coming up with a more convenient way to eat dinner. I'm saying McDonald's already has. Anyway, uh, (laughs) uh, I'm talking about my biggest pet peeve because I was reminded of it today. Uh, My biggest pet peeve is when there's a large group of people participating in a discourse that all know something that is true. Right. But you're not allowed to say that truth. Right. You're not allowed to talk about it. Drives me nuts because one, I'm not always aware of what that thing is or that you're not allowed to talk about it. And so, like, I remember distinctly, I was in this meeting once and there was one of these truths that you're just not allowed to say. And I didn't know that you weren't allowed to talk about it. And so I brought it up and everybody's looking at me like and somebody has to like lean over and say, like, you're not supposed to talk about that. And I'm like, why not? Everyone here knows it's true. Why are we all not talking about it? It's all, we all know it's true. Drives me insane. I can't stand it. I think it's because like, to me, it's a form of dishonesty. It's almost like just like passive dishonesty. And, and it just does not, never sits right with me. I'm always just like, just talk about the thing that is true that we're all sitting here thinking about that we all sort of know is true in this moment. Like, let's not, let's not uh, discipline the person who brings it up. Let's just like, Hey, it's true. Right. And I'm sorry, but like something reminded me of that today and it's just driving me crazy. So I'm bringing it up. Maybe you all are comfortable with the dishonesty, but hopefully not. Hopefully you'll be back with us next week for some more truth bullets. <laughs> and we'll uh, we'll talk more about the, the Royals next week. We'll have some games to talk about, some gameplay, which is awesome. Uh, so Special sh- guest next week? Special guest next week. Should I preview it now or you want me to wait and just do it on Twitter? I go ahead and say it now. Let's let's give him let's give him a taste. Special joined by special guest Dave David Lesky will be joining us next week. Uh, great Royals writer. Find him on Twitter. He's going to join us next week to talk about the Royals. Uh, until then, be good to each other and go Royals. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks, that's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.